What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Cheap Seats Podcast. I'm Dalton. Obviously here with co-host Adam. We're going to do an open discussion talk today. We haven't done much NBA content yet. Obviously, football is is full on, going strong. Week 13, those predictions are up. Go check them out. And, uh, you know, our breakdown of week 12 is out as well. Obviously, we want to change over to NBA. Um, so, Adam, obviously want to start with Victor and Chet. I'm just curious uh, what you got. So, listen, I'm ready to come out of the gate hot. You ready for this? Victor might be the most overrated prospect I have ever seen in my life. And I have seen, as I, I know everybody's probably seen this, Shaquille O'Neal come out and said that we have seen this before. He is bowl bowl. And at first, you know, you think that might be, you know, slightly exaggerated. But the more I watch him, the more I'm like, what does he do that bowl bowl can't do? The only difference is, Victor was given a platform to actually be the guy. Bobo's been he's he's never really gotten the opportunity. But when you watch him, like I, I can go find you clips of him bringing the ball down court, going around the back, between the legs, pulling up for three, dunk, having these crazy dunks, blocking, you know, protecting the rim. When I watch Victor, I just like listen, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you kid's not talented. He's super talented, but they made him out to be the fate, like the next face of the league. And I just simply don't think he is that. I think at his absolute peak, and I'm not comparing play styles, I'm talking career, absolute peak, I think he's Chris Bosh. He's the number three on a good team. I think that's Victor at his peak. He's he's not the face of any franchise, and if he is, you're not going to win any games. Yeah, I agree. We uh, talked about in our you know preseason prediction show, we talked that we thought that maybe Victor would end up being – an overrated or bust uh, just because they said going in, he was a better prospect than LeBron James. And we've heard that with so many players and they don't live up to it because that, that expectation is so high. And and just setting that on somebody is honestly unfair coming into a league. And then when you look at his numbers, he's averaging 19 points, 10 boards, but he's shooting 43% from the field, 27% from the three point line. I'm not concerned with the three-point percentage. I feel like a lot of people struggle early on. But the fact that his field goal percentage is as bad as it is with him being seven foot six is concerning to me. I, I don't I don't understand why he's not under the basket and literally just putting his hand over top of everyone, just dropping it in. I, yeah, I just don't like, like, like Rudy Gobert, for example, right? Obviously, Victor's a little bit more talented than Rudy Gobert is. But Rudy Gobert shoots 55 60% from the field. You know, LeBron James shoots over 50%. Embiid, Jokic, literally, bam, out of bio, literally any big in the game, if you're shooting under 50%, it's, it's a damn shame. Yes, and he's at 43%. Like, when I watch him, he'll have one great quarter. And then the sit, like, uh, who was it? Against, it was against the Warriors. He had a great quarter. Nine points first quarter, didn't score at all in the second quarter. And it's, it's concerning to me considering he's, Supposed to be the best player on this team. Yeah. And, you know, like like you look across, you know, at who people have considered being like the second best rookie, which I think is the best. I actually had him in a prediction show winning rookie of the year. Right. He, uh, Chet Holmgren. When you when I watch Chet, Chet is the number two scorer on the team that's the third best team in the West right now. And when I watch Chet, there are signs like I see uh, he, he hit a move the other day, and I'm like, dude, he looks just like Kevin Durant. Yeah, I've seen that. You know what I'm saying? He's the type of guy he can actually make a difference and make make an impact on a good team. Yeah. As to where Victor just – he's there, then he disappears. Then he's there, then he disappears. And his runs are crazy runs. Like, But the Spurs team has lost 14 in a row. Like, how do you lose 14 in a row when you have a guy that's – what is he, 7'4", seven 7'5", foot seven foot yeah. you know, with that 8 – like an eight foot eight, wingspan, like eight foot eight eight this bad. Yeah, it's How bad. This bad. And it's not like the players on the Spurs are bad. You know, like Vazell's averaging like eighteen a game. You know, uh, Johnson's at seventeen a game. So like, like there are players there that are that are doing okay. And I didn't expect the Spurs to come out and make the playoffs. Nobody expected that. Even LeBron James didn't make the playoffs his first year. You know, but I didn't expect to see him lose fourteen straight. 
And I don't know if you've seen his face the other day, but after it was like, I think it was lost 11. He just looked defeated. He just looked defeated, which he he should be because he's, he's the face of this team and he should be playing better. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, he's the type of guy, he looks good on highlight reels and on TikTok, like TikTok videos. But as soon as you sit down and watch an entire game, you're like, this, this is the guy that I was told is the next LeBron. This is the guy that's supposed to be the next face of the league. I just don't see it with the kid. I don't think he's a bust. Well, I guess technically he is a bust because of all the hype he had. It's not his fault that he's a bust. I'll For say sure. that because it's one of these, it's one of the things that if any other rookie was averaging 19 and 10, you're like, dude, this, this guy might be it. But we were made to believe that he's the greatest prospect that ever graced the NBA. And he's shooting like 25% from three. You know what I'm saying? Like he just nothing he does really wows me. Like he has plays that wow me, but when I would just watch his games. Like, he just disappears, and it's gotten to the point I was excited to watch the Spurs at the beginning of the year. Now, I don't really – I could really care less. Yeah, I think, I think what he struggles is, like, fundamentally with the basketball is the problem. He's not sound when he plays. He's not comfortable when he plays. It's not fluent when he plays. And I think that's a cause of what he went through overseas. He didn't have to worry about super talented players against him. He was the talented player that they went against every night. But – you know, I, I do want to kind of kind of look at the situation. I, I think Chet's been better this year as well. But I think Victor on the Thunder would probably be a whole lot better than what he is on San Antonio as well. I mean, that Thunder team is is really good, obviously. They're, they're the third seed in the West right now. But so I, I take it with a grain of salt because he's, like you said, 19 and 10. It's not bad for a rookie. And obviously the Spurs had the number one pick because they were the worst team in the NBA last year. So it, it happens. Um, but I, I – I agree with you. I mean, I think that he hasn't lived up to the hype they put on him. And by they, I mean the media. But because of that, I do think he's still going to win rookie of the year because the NBA cannot do it to themselves to not give him the MVP award because they put that hype out there. I mean, the the NBA did it. They were in summer league. They were literally comparing him to LeBron James before the games in a highlight reel. You know what I mean? It's just, they're not going to lose, which it sucks for Chet because I mean, he's he's played really well this year. Well, and like I said, that he's more of like a like a highlight real type player. They I seen I seen somebody post that on TikTok, and it was in quotations. It said, "Wait until he guards Jokic, right?" And it was like four videos of him blocking Jokic or Jokic having a you know a really ugly miss. And you're like, dude, maybe all right, so maybe he's not going to get bullied like a lot of us thought he would. Until you go look at the box score and see Jokic had 39-11-9. and nine. Yeah. Like they found a few, and he was 17-29 or 29 from the field, so he shot well over 50%, something Victor doesn't do consistently. It's like you go back and look, and it's like, yeah, Victor had some great plays, some great highlight plays, but a lot of the game he's getting just, he just can't hang. He's too small. He's not strong enough. I, I just don't – like, I understand why people are excited about him. And I'm not saying that he's – like I said, I'm not saying he's a bum, but it's just one of the things that I don't see face of the league. I, I don't even see number one on a playoff team when I watch Victor play. So I think – I do think that Victor can be a number one because he's such a mismatch problem. Literally, if he can get it, it right, he's a mismatch problem that no one can match up with. But he's got to have somebody else that can make – his life easier. And there's no skilled, talented players on that Spurs team currently that's going to make his life easier. They can score 15 a night. There's there's probably 150 players in the NBA right now that can score 15 a night. It's just what the league is. But there's no one on that team that makes his life easier. They're, they're not. They're not making anyone's life easier. So I do think he can be a number one, but he's going to have to have a point guard or just a really good guard that makes his life easier, that can take some, you know, pressure away, can ball handle, put him in a pick and roll and get him in – and put him in spots because he's trying to get in his spots by himself and it's not working. Um, So, obviously, with that, he's been a disappointment. So, my question to you is, who is your biggest disappointment this NBA season? So, <laughs> I don't really have a player in mind when we talk about disappointment. There's there's a few – Um. So far, it's probably Memphis. They're five and thirteen. I granted, I know Jaw hasn't been there, but this team still has Triple J. They still have Desmond Bain. You know, they signed Derrick Rose. Is it because they lost Dylan Brooks? Is it because they lost Dylan Brooks? 
Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe. <laughs> maybe. All I'll say is they were a good team last week. Hey, that's what he right. said. Remember, he said, they're missing me. They're missing me. I, I had to throw <laughs> I, I hate doing this, but, man, I had to throw it out there for sure, for sure. But, yeah, so Memphis and Golden State. Golden State has looked atrocious from, you know, Steph, Steph Curry hasn't really looked like Steph. Clay has been terrible. Draymond Green out here choking out Rudy Gobert. Like, this team has been all over the place. Wiggins has – Wiggins looks like the Wiggins we thought he was two or three years ago. Like, this – like, it's like the entire team itself. And then I have a third place for my most disappointment, and it's not – and it's more of like a ha-ha disappointment, the Clippers. I knew it. Yeah, for sure. Dude. <laughs> they I, go out to get James Harden. They Russell Westbrook is now coming off the bench. Granted, he volunteered to because I think he understood that there's just not enough basketball guys to go around on this team. What were they thinking when they picked up James Harden? I feel like you know sometimes franchises just feel like they have to make a move because they're stagnant. But sometimes that move makes you more stagnant, which is what that offense is. So there's only one basketball to go around, and. One game, Paul George shoots 25 times. One game, Kawhi Leonard. You know, there, there's no um, just ball movement, man. Like, it's it's what, it's what I said. It's literally stagnant, and it's just not good. I'm So, Kawhi Leonard is not a playmaker. Paul George is not a playmaker. James Harden is. However, who's he making plays for? Because he now has two number one options on the team, including he thinks he's a number one option. And then you've got guys like Russell, you know, who wants the touches. Norman Powell's a really good sixth man. Terrence Mann wants touches. I, it's just there's only one basketball to go around. And I, I kind of think, you know, when you think back to the, the 2011 Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade finally said, hey, I'll be the number two. You you can be the number one, and and, and Bosh will be the three. No, no one on this team is going to say, you're the one, I'm the two, you're the three. That's the problem, I, I think. With this and, look, team. that's always been Harden's problem. It is, yeah. Right? Um, I know you've seen the video of that Dallas Mavericks commentator. Yeah. yeah. James Harden. He he there was not one lie detected on that entire statement. Everywhere he goes, he's been everything's been handed to him. Right. He's always gotten what he wants. And then it doesn't work out. And then he either wants out or he has them trade away one of the pieces that he had them bring in in the first place. I have never been high on James Harden. I'm, what was it like five years ago, six years ago? I mean, you used to get in like big debates. Because you thought James Harden was top three, four basketball player in the world, I was never that high on him, and it's yeah. mainly because of his attitude, the way he plays. Per, like it's just literally everything about him. Uh, do you remember what was it, a couple years ago with Houston? I think, I think it was with yeah, it was with Houston. He was aggravated with the situation, and he when he showed up, he was fat. Yeah, like Body I've suit. never seen an athlete care less, but expect the most, like James Harden. Yeah, and it's he's better in those situations. I mean, he averaged 36 points a game and then 35 points. Like he's better when he's by himself because then there's no pressure. And then and then also he, he's ball dominant. I don't want to compare this guy to him, but it's kind of a worry of what Luca may end up being because yeah. Luca doesn't defend. He's ball dominant. He can't play with Kyrie Irving. He wants to shoot 35 shots a game shoot 45% doing it and fill the stat sheet and probably not make the playoffs. What James Harden kind of did. Obviously, James Harden had some good runs in Houston. They, they should have beat Golden State when they shot like 9 of 62 from the three-point line in game seven, but whatever. I mean, other than that, those teams you, you never were contenders, and, and I'm kind of worried that we're seeing that again. So to say that what, my disappointment so far this season is honestly the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the reason being they are so talented, man. I mean, they Evan Mobley is a double-double machine as a big man, okay? Really good rim protector as well. You got Donovan Mitchell, who most would say is a top-five shooting guard. Maybe some would probably say top he's three. He's averaging 28 right now. Darius Garland's a really good point guard. They've got depth. They got they brought in Max Struess, who can defend, he can rebound, he can knock down threes. You got Jared Allen beside Evan Mobley. You, you've got so much potential there, and they literally are at 500 because they just – there's no consistency with them. And I think the biggest problem in that situation is they do know Donovan Mitchell is the number one, but sometimes that's all they rely on is Donovan Mitchell to be the number one. And as good as he is, I don't think that he has to try to score 40 a night for them to win because they, they have depth, man. I mean, they, they should they should be a top three team in the East with that roster. 
On so paper. I'll tell you one thing that I think might be holding him back is Donovan Mitchell is not going to be a Cleveland Cavalier next year. For sure. I think everybody knows that. And I think there's like a like a black cloud over the, all the players right now because you're just waiting on Donovan to get traded. Because I, he's my favorite to be traded, like star-wise. He's my favorite star and to be traded before the deadline. For sure. I, yeah. I so I think it's just one of the things like they – like they know changes are going to happen, so they're just kind of coasting until until it does happen. Yeah, I mean, I I I mean, I agree with you. I think so. I I don't really have another disappointing team. I guess. I mean, I guess I would say Chicago. I mean, seven and fourteen. I didn't. I mean, I didn't expect them to be a top tier team in the East, but they've just been bad all year. Levine, and they're trying to move Levine, and there is no market. No market. Yeah, I, and I think that's just a problem that's kind of been rising and and occurring past two years uh, we've seen the meltdowns you know he's had on the court we've seen him get the rebound and knock down that three from literally the logo and then point at the bench at the coach so I think that's you know there's been problems going on uh, but because of that there is no market because he hasn't played to the potential that he probably can because I mean I think Zach Levine is you know he can help a contending team but he's just not the guy on a contending team. So hey, I'd like to see Miami just move Kyle Lowry. Lowry for Levine, straight up. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And that's, you know, that's what I believe is probably going to happen. It, the The Bulls are not going to get back what they want for Levine and probably what he's worth. I mean, they're, they're going to lose. They'll probably get more for Caruso than they will Levine. For sure. Um, and, and I agree. So, obviously, we have disappointing players, disappointing teams. What's your most surprising or uh, the team that's, you know, stuck out to you the most, the player that stuck out to you the most. Just just somebody or some team that gave you life that you did not think would at this point of the season. So, listen, there's only one answer to this question. There's and only I, one answer. So, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. I agree, but I hope we agree because I only have one answer, too. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, we agree. I <laughs> Dude. Dude, he's averaging 27-11. If you go look at his stats now and you go look at Steph Curry's first MVP season, Halliburton is blowing him out of the water. Yeah. He's getting more threes a game on a better percentage from three, and he's averaging like five more assists than Curry did, and he's averaging like four more points. Like he is blowing Steph Curry's MVP, his first MVP season out the water. So, and look, Halliburton is the sole reason that this Pacers team is any good. And what's crazy is you brought up Curry's MVP season. I'm going to go back even further to Steve Nash's MVP season. Steve Nash averaged 16 points and 10 assists. Tyrese Halliburton is averaging 28 and 12. And <laughs> he's probably not going to win MVP. It, yeah, he, he probably won't because he's playing in uh, in Indiana. I, I, I'm going to go one step further. He's not going to win MVP. It, he's, it's not that he's probably not. He's not. It's sad. But I, I'm I'm just going to say this. And obviously things can happen from now to February. It's It's the beginning of December. But Tyrese Halliburton is a starter in the All-Star game. There, there is no way that – and I'm not saying that he's going to be because fans vote and players vote and whatever. But if you're telling me that he is not the starting guard in the, in, from the East, it's, that I, I, there's no way I, I would agree because he's definitely – he should be a starter in the All-Star game. And he is and, – and he's just – he's actually fun to watch because he plays – we're talking about players that are stagnant aren't comfortable, aren't fluent. He is so fluent when he plays, man. Like, he literally plays with just, like, a finesse to him that you don't see with a lot of other players. It's it's good to see. Yeah, and, look, I'll tell you what. If he doesn't start at the All-Star game, it's because fans are idiots. Yeah, for sure. Like, do you remember what was it a couple years ago? Zaza Pachulia was going to start for the West if it was up to – if it was fully up to the fans. Yeah. And they had – the NBA had to step in and say, absolutely not. Yeah. Because Zaza averaged like four points and six six boards. And but because he played for the Warriors, he was gonna be he was gonna be a starter. Dude, the fans are morons when it comes to basketball. They're absolute morons. If you play for your if you play for the the most popular team, you're going you're gonna get in. And if you play for someone like the Pacers, you don't stand a chance. But yeah, dude, Halliburton to me might be MVP so far this season. So that's you know I I agree I, I've got him there um, SGA's there obviously he's, he's played really well this year and the Thunder um, have played really well so if you if you go back to our preseason NBA prediction show we we kind of threw out a a long shot MVP and I said man I'm gonna I'm gonna say this guy the team's probably not gonna be good and the team's gonna hinder him it was Anthony Edwards 
And the Timberwolves are 15-4 and four and number one in the Western Conference. Am I sitting here telling you that I think my prediction is correct? Probably not because Anthony Edwards is not going to win MVP. But I'm I'm going to say they proved me wrong. They are giving him a shot. I mean, who says if this team continues on the pace they're at, that, that means if you just double it, they'd be 30-8, and eight, and then they'd be 45-12, and 12, and then, then eventually could end up, I mean, a 66-win a team with 16 losses. Do I think that's going to happen? No, they'll, they'll fall off. But I, at that pace, I mean, if Anthony Edwards averages, you know, in, in the upwards of 28, 29 points a game, they, they're the number one seed in the West. They win 60-plus games. No one thought the Timberwolves were winning 60 games. Hell, their over-under to start the season, I think, was like 38 and a half. So they would blow it out of the water. I, I think it's just, you know, it's been good to see that situation kind of work out because that Rudy Gobert trade for a while looked like the worst trade in NBA history. Yeah, it definitely did. And what's what's really weird is if you look at the, like their like their stats, their number one score is Anthony Edwards at 26 a game. Their next three scores – are all centers. Yeah. Paul Towns is averaging 22, Gobert's averaging 13, and Nas Reed's averaging 12. Yeah. yeah. How many teams win when three of their four best scores are centers? I, I can't recall a time in history. Now, I'll tell you what's worrisome, though, is come playoff time, that's not sustainable. It's not. Exactly. I agree. Having three centers, it's, it's a log jam down there. So it's not sustainable. They're I, and I think if they keep playing like this, they're going to be a trade candidate. And Nas Reed is the expendable one. Right, for sure. So I you mean, could move him and try to bring in another score somewhere, like a, maybe a Jordan Clarkson or something like that to come, so to come so in. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because as good as Anthony Edwards is, I do believe that they need another playmaker at the guard position to kind of help take the load off. I know they have Mike Conley. Mike Conley at this point in his career is not going to help Anthony Edwards guard play-wise win playoff games. He can get the ball down the court and facilitate, Rudy Gobert's not a scorer. Carl Towns wants to get the ball himself and try to go score. So they do need playmakers at the guard position, um, and, and I, I agree with you on that. So the last two teams we discussed, the Pacers, the Timberwolves. I said the Timberwolves are number one in the West, but they did not make the NBA in-season tournament, which is where I want to go to next because it starts on Monday, December the 4th, first ever time they've done this, and the Pacers did get in. The Pacers actually ended up as the number two seed. For anyone that kind of don't, understand or don't know the breakdown basically it's the first time they've ever done it they put you in a group stage kind of like the world cup you play uh three games four teams in each group and it's basically a point differential so obviously if you go undefeated you're probably winning your your pool but if you're three and if you're two and one and i'm two and one or three three and one whatever the case is it's a point differential so the other night teams were watching the warriors game and the kings game and if the, the kings could lose but they couldn't lose by more than 12. And the Warriors had to win by more than 12. So they're battling, and, and the Kings are just trying to lose, but not by more than 12. So it kind of made it a, a competitive scene that we've never seen before, especially in November in the NBA. Everyone knows there's no defense played until April in the NBA. So it's, it's kind of been cool to see. And, and with that said, you know, I, the Pacers got in, the Timberwolves didn't, and they're still the number one seed as of right now in the West. So I think it kind of gives us something to look forward to with the NBA because, you know, teams or people complain that the all-star game's bad in the NBA, that the midseason's bad in the NBA. And I think this has kind of gave fans a reason to watch um, and, and see competitive basketball. So in the West, the number one seed was the Lakers. The number two seed was the Kings. The three seed was the Pelicans. And then the fourth seed actually ends up being a wild card team. And in this point, it was the Suns. And and what determined that was the point differential with teams that, you know, had a three and one record. And then and then in the East, it was the Bucks at the one, Pacers two, Celtics three, Knicks got the wild card spot at the four. So I'm just gonna ask who you got in these games, kind of who the matchups you like, matchups you may not like. Um and ultimately you're gonna pick a win. So we'll start on the east side. You got the Bucks at the Knicks. Who who you got? So I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks easily win for sure. Julius Randle has been terrible this season. Damian right. Lillard hasn't been what we really expected out of Damian Lillard, but we still know what Damian Lillard is capable of. Yeah, right. Chris Middleton, Giannis, it's the Knicks just can't match up firepower wise. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna take the Bucks here easily. And then when you get to the Pacers Celtics series, the Celtics are the best team in basketball right now. Yes. 
Like, you know, some people might disagree, but I think they're the, they have the most talent on their team out of and, any team in the league. And their roster is assembled as coherent as it possibly could be. Yeah, they, they play great defense. They have really their one through four can all go for 30 at any given night. So I think the Celtics end up winning this, even though I, I hope the Pacers – the Pacers are who I'm cheering for to win this entire thing because of Halliburton. For sure. I got you. But I, I think the Celtics will end up winning this one pretty easily. Okay, so then if we go to the west side, we've got the Lakers and the Suns and then the Kings and the Pelicans. So with the Lakers-Suns, believe it or not, I think I'm going to take the Suns here. I know they're not at full health, but to me, like the Lakers just they don't really have much to play for, if you if you know what I mean. Like yeah. the winner of this entire tournament just wins money. Because LeBron James and Anthony Davis really need this money. No. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant doesn't need the money either, but all the other role players do. Yeah. But they I, don't, I, they I don't want that money, so they got more to play for. And uh Kevin Durant is as much as I hate the guy. And I and I, God, I hope he tears his Achilles in this tournament. That'd be that would be fantastic. But but the Lakers don't really have anybody that can guard them. Yeah. So I I do think KD will probably go for like thirty eight to forty on them, and I think they'll win this. Uh, I think the Suns will win that matchup. And then the Kings Pelicans. I've been on the Kings all season, right? When we did the when we did our um, like in like preseason predictions, I talked about the Kings, how good they are, how good Sabonis is, and De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray. Uh, so I, I'm I'm staying on that Kings training, and I'm I'm gonna take the Kings to win this mainly because with the Pelicans, I, you still don't know what you're going to get from them, you know. And like they're 11 and 10, they're they've been mid all season. Zion's averaging like 22 and like six or seven. So yeah, Zion hasn't really taken that next step like we thought he would, even though he's been healthy. It's just you don't you don't know what you're getting with New Orleans, and Sacramento has been one of the more consistent teams. So I'll take Sacramento on that matchup. Yeah. So. <clears throat> On the east side of the bracket, I would agree with you. The Bucks, the Celtics, um, and I, not much explanation there. You kind of explain the reason those teams will win. So, I, I am a LeBron fan. But that's not why I'm taking the Lakers. I'm taking the Lakers because they're two and zero against the Suns this year already. So I, I, they've got something figured out on how to, how to play against them. I do think LA can beat the Suns, and then I would agree with you with the Kings. I think I think the Kings will win that game for for the reasons that the Pelicans. I honestly don't know how they're here. I don't know what they did in group pool to get here. Obviously, they won, but they shouldn't have because they've been bad. And and the Kings are the better basketball team. And De'Aaron Fox is the best player on that basketball court. So typically, that you know that helps you win games. So I like the Kings, I like the Lakers, and then the Bucks and the Celtics. So to go back to the east side of the bracket, Bucks and the Celtics. And and one thing I do do want to mention is this is a one game winner goes on, loser goes home. We've never seen that in the NBA in terms of for money or for I don't know, I don't want to call it a championship but for a trophy it's always a series this is kind of like the NFL format it's win go home so I guess in in, in a in a one game semifinal who do you have with the Bucks and the Celtics so I think the Celtics are the better team here and I think come playoff time the Celtics will take will make a deeper run but it's only one game and Giannis and Dame are better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I'm I'm going to I'm just going to ride with the most talented team when it comes down to a, just a one game series. So I, right here I'm going to take I'm going to take Giannis and Dame and I'm going to take the Bucks. Okay, so I'm going to differ. I'm going to take the Celtics, but I'm going to take the Celtics because when we did, like I said, when we did our uh, preseason predictions, I thought Boston was the best roster. I thought that's why I picked Missoula to win Coach of the Year because I thought they were going to be so good that it'd be hard to choose somebody else. And they've been really good here. I think they just give a matchup problem to Giannis and Dame because they are so good defensively. I think in one game, one scouting report, you know, you may be able to slow them down, which can help. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the Bucks um go on go on to win. So on the west side of the bracket, obviously our semifinals are going to be a little different because you got the Suns and Kings. I got Lakers and Kings. So yeah, so Suns and Kings right here. Even though I know Kevin Durant's the best player on the court. Right here, the Kings are so cohesive, right? Unlike what's been going on over in the East where the Bucks brought in a new superstar, the Celtics went in and brought in two new stars. The Kings are pretty much the same team they were last year, and they were, uh, what, what, three seed last year? This team has been playing together really, and they have one of the more cohesive duos in De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. So right here, I'm going to take the better team to win this, and the better team is Sacramento, and I don't think there's much debate on that one. Yeah, so – 
being a LeBron fan, I'm not going to choose the Lakers here. And the reason being is the Kings poise such a matchup problem for L.A., and we've seen it the last two seasons. They're fast. They get up and down the court. They transition. They can defend well. And one thing about Anthony Davis, when he plays a good big man, he is awful. His record against Sabonis, Jokic, and Embiid the last three seasons, two seasons, like 3-14. and 14. Well, it's about to be 3-15. and 15. This is, is what it is, okay? <laughs> he can't play against good bigs. You, you put him up against a bum, he's going to put up big numbers. You know, I feel like he Anthony Davis sits in his hotel room and he says, oh, let me mark Charlotte on the calendar because I'm going to give Mark Williams problems. Oh, put MB's coming to town? Yeah, well, you know, what, whatever my under is, you better bet it because that's what's about to hit. And in this <laughs> game, that's what's about to hit. So give me the Kings. You got Kings, Bucks. I got Kings, Celtics. We agree on one team, Defro on one team. So I, I guess who do you have win the end season tournament? So I'm going to go with the same logic I had with the West. I'm taking the better team here, the more cohesive team. Damian Lillard has struggled a little bit, right, trying to fit in with the Bucks and make this maneuver happen. I think that this will be the best game out of the entire series, which I hope it is. It's like the, it's the championship for it, right? Yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to ride with the Kings because there's, they're the most cohesive team. They have, I don't want to say the better shooters, but like Keegan Murray can knock that thing down. You know what I'm saying? Sabonis can stretch the floor. Sabonis can, can shoot. Malik Monk can shoot. Exactly. So I, I'm going to go with Sacramento to win the entire thing. Nice. I, I like that pick. I am going to go Boston. I'm going Boston because this is the only trophy they're going to win this year because they're not winning the NBA Finals because it's the Boston Celtics, and this team can't win together. But they are going to win the, you know, the end-season tournament, get their half a million dollars per player, and I guess have something to say they won now. Um, I, one question I have just about the end season tournament for you before we move on is some some people want to want to you know speculate if you win the end season tournament should you automatically get a playoff spot come April? What do you think? Do you think that makes so so? I guess what they compare it to is kind of like the World Cup. Before the World Cup happens, you have qualifiers that even put you into a pool to even try to make the bracket. Would would this give? players and teams a reason to play i don't think they should have a reason to play they're making 30 million dollars that should be your reason to play that's your reason to go out every night and perform at a high level but do you think it should guarantee a playoff spot or do you think that you know this is just something fun that, that they should continue players can win some money put the championship in vegas like it is and, and just go on yeah so i definitely believe that it should give you a playoff spot the reason being is what i'm worried about is the players are taking it serious right now but a few years ago when they first did their all-star team captains, the game was very competitive. And then it, the, the longer you did it, the less competitive it got because the players quit caring. The thing is, most of these players don't need that $500,000, which sounds crazy to us normal human beings. Right. When you, say you don't need that 500000 But LeBron James, like I said, LeBron's a billionaire. He doesn't. He does not need this 500000 That's about a dollar. But, but has, what was it, two years ago, the Lakers – barely missed the playoffs, right? If LeBron would have won this tournament, LeBron could have gotten in the playoffs while his team was getting healthy. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then it also gives players like, or teams like Portland, Utah, Memphis, even San Antonio with Victor, right? It gives them a reason to play. Like, it gives them like, look, I, we may suck, but we but we can at least get a shot at playing in late April and May by winning this tournament. So it might... Like, the intensity was good this year. I'm just worried that it's going to fall off as the years go on. So I think guaranteeing a playoff spot will keep it great for, you know, a longer time. It'll make sure the longevity of the tournament stays. Right. So I agree with some caveats. Like, I feel like with awards, for example, you can't play – like, you can't play 40 games and win the MVP awards. You have to play at least 60 games. Like, there's a minimum requirement. So I do think that you can – I do agree with the – automatic playoff bid but you shouldn't be able to just say mm, i'm in i can i can lose the next 55 games and i know i have a playoff spot i think you should you, you can't rest you know your starters and, and they already got fines for that now so that would kind of tie in but i think maybe you could say something like you have to win at least 25 games like you have to go 25 and 57 as, as long as you win 25 games your spot's guaranteed just something to where the team that wins this early into the season because we still have four more months of basketball left. They don't just – that team stop playing because they know they're already locked in. Does that make sense? I just yeah. wouldn't – so there has to be some caveat to make that team still be competitive because, for example, if you know 
you're locked in and you know you don't care if you win another game or lose another game but you might just be giving free wins away and then come april you've got three teams fighting for this the six seed to not have to play in the play-in tournament you know you're not you don't care if you win or lose because you know you're in so I, I do agree they would have to figure a caveat but it it would make this thing competitive for years to go on instead of becoming the all-star game 2.0 where players can make half a million dollars and who who even cares if they make the, the half a million dollars? So other, other than that, with basketball, it's kind of an update of where we're at. It's been fun so far this season, um, but there's another sport going on at this time. It's college football. It's December. What does that mean? Teams are playing the conference championships. What does that mean? We got the college football playoff coming up. Got some shitty bowl games coming up. Who cares if you play in the you know the Reese Cup? You know. The cinnamon toast current cereal bowl. I don't know these shitty bowls that I could probably make up, and somebody would probably believe that it's a bowl because there's a hundred of them. Nobody cares about. So, the the ones they do care about um, is the college football playoffs. Now, next season they go to twelve teams. This year is only four teams, but boy, do I wish this year was twelve teams, because you got teams like Oregon, Missouri, who could probably be a twelve seed, and they would beat that five seed. You know, you think Oregon, for example, they finished the year 10-2, and 11-2, and two, and their two losses was to a Washington team that's going to be the number two seed in the college football playoff. So and they were both – look, they were both close games too. Three-point games both times. So if if Oregon's a 12th seed, they would probably beat whoever the five seed is. Or if they're a 10, they would beat the seven. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Just a quick rundown. Michigan, Big Ten champions, Texas, uh, Big 12, Washington – Pac-12, who's was it's it's gone after this season, so they're the last you know champions of that conference. Alabama, huge win against Georgia today, and then the game that's still being played is Florida State, Louisville for the ACC championship game. So I, I kind of want to know who you got going in the top four. This is probably the most competitive and tight race that we've seen in the past, uh, and probably the craziest championship. You know, I don't want to call it Saturday because some games are played on Friday, but. Usually you you know who's locked in, and I'm telling you this year, I, it's you can make an argument for a lot of teams. But listen, there's only two teams locked in. It's Michigan and Washington. For They're sure. the one-two seats, right? Okay. The only two teams that are locked in. And the committee has been committed year after year after year after year. They always say, we're going for the four best teams. That's all they care about. So we're getting the four best teams into the playoffs. Yep. Has it always been the case? No. We've seen Oklahoma get destroyed, TCU get destroyed. You know, like we've seen teams get in, does not live up to it. Yep. But if they if they stay true to that, I have the formula for you. I have who's going in. The three seed will be the Texas Longhorns, right? They won the Big 12. Their only loss was to Alabama. Not, not Alabama. What was it, Iowa State? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Yep. And then, but they beat Alabama. They beat Alabama. They did. So they're a one-loss team, and they beat Alabama. They won the Big 12. They get in. They're the three seed, okay? Here's where we come down to who gets that fourth spot. Is it Florida State, who's undefeated? Is it uh, Alabama, who just won the SEC? Or is it Georgia, who has won 29 straight games before they just lost to Alabama? So there's three teams vying for this last spot. If if they're going to live, like truly live, by saying the four best teams have to get in, I'm sorry, Florida State's not the top four team. I don't um, care if they haven't won. I don't care if they haven't lost the game all season. They're not, they're not a top four team. They might have been. They might have been until Jordan Travis went down. For sure, if Jordan Travis did not get hurt, Florida State was a lot. Yes, but then when you go look at it, right? They they put up 24 points on Florida last week. As we're talking right now, they're playing Louisville. They've only put up 10 points with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. When you Go through and look like they, they put up 24 points against Florida. Let's just look at what Florida's defense has given up this season, right? Just going backwards. The game before, they played Missouri. They give up 33. Game before that, LSU, who lost to Florida State with Jordan Travis week one, LSU put up 52 points on that Florida defense just three weeks ago, okay? This this Florida State offense is terrible, especially without Jordan Travis. This, uh, this offense is atrocious, Florida State to me is out. I don't care if they won, you know, the ACC. I don't care. If Georgia then they have to be there. And they might not win. I mean, we so we are talking as the game is being played. Seven minutes left. Louisville ha- is can get the ball back. They they may not even win. Yeah. But if they Louisville's do, down four. But yeah, if they do, they're not in. Yeah, even if they're undefeated, 
to me, Florida State can't be in. To me, they're out of the question. If we're looking for the four best teams. Now, if we're just looking for who has the best record, of course they have to get in. But when we're looking for the best teams, without Jordan Travis, they're not in. Then it comes down to Alabama and Georgia. We just witnessed Georgia lost. And I don't see a college football playoff where the SEC champions don't make it. The four seed to me is Alabama. So it should go one Michigan, two Washington, three Texas, four Michigan or uh, four Alabama. That's how it should go. That's how it should go. I know I'm probably in the minority here because a lot of people will say, well, Florida State deserves it. I don't give a damn what they deserve, personally. I don't. I, I want to see good football, and I know if Florida State gets there, I don't care if they match up against Texas or Washington or Michigan. They are losing by 30. I don't want to watch that garbage. Kick them out, put Alabama in that fourth spot, and let's get some good football games. Yeah, I, I agree. So with my with mine, I, w- I would be the same. So if I was the committee, it would be Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. But I'm not the committee. And you know what I'm saying? I think the committee is going to go Michigan, Washington, Alabama, Georgia. I think they're going to leave Texas out because there's there's a lot of favorness for the SEC. And I, I've just recently read the discussion of, are we really going to penalize a team who made it to their conference championship, was the one seed all season from week one to now, and lost to the greatest dynasty the past decade has seen? So, so they're already making a reason of why. And it's rough because do I think that Georgia's a top four team? I do. But the problem is I think there's five or six top four teams. And when that happens, two of them aren't going to make it. You know, I, I the thing is, you know, you've got and, – and I'm not an Ohio State fan. I hate them more than any – and I'm just glad they're not getting in. But they're on the outside looking in too like, well, we're better than Florida State. We were in the game with Michigan, could have won the game. Give us a chance against a Georgia. Or, you know, so there's – there's that's what it is. But I don't – I don't know. I, I hope that we're right because I agree with you of how I think it should be. I guess I'm telling the listeners I won't be surprised if Alabama and Georgia both get it because Georgia was the one. And I could see them squeaking them in at four. I could see it happening. I'd be disappointed if that happens just because the one team that beat Georgia lost to Texas. No, for sure. Exactly. That's and why. I, like yeah. that would be the reason that I would be upset over this. And let's not forget, Texas one loss, like you said earlier, was Oklahoma, who at the time was the 12th best team in the country. Yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's a rivalry game. Yeah. And, well, I, I said at the time, right now, Oklahoma is the 12th best team in the country. It's not like they lost to bums. So you beat Alabama in my if, if Alabama makes it and Texas doesn't, it's a shame. No, it's it's a damn shame. And there's no way that Washington and Michigan don't make it. So to me, well, that's, the that's, only that's, logical thing to do is Texas, Alabama. But to your point, I will not be surprised if Georgia squeaks in. And that's what sucks is because with college football, Texas beat Alabama in the second week of the season. And now we're debating on who's gonna get in. Whereas, like, in the NFL, this doesn't happen because you don't have to worry about when you won or lost in week two of the season because in week two, Jordan Milrow was bad. Alabama scored terrible. But now Alabama might be a better team than Texas. But they weren't in week two, and all we have to go off of is in week two, Texas beat Alabama. Well, in week two, Texas was better. Alabama since then has been one of the best teams in the country. But, like I said, that's all we have to go off of. So that's kind of the problem with the four-team system. I'm glad we're going to 12 because that's what should have happened a long time ago. The, the national championship last year wouldn't have happened. And what sucks, though, is next year, like, we'll have, like, you know, it won't be the Power 5. The Power 4 champion will get in. Right. But then when you get down to that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 seeds, we're going to be doing the same thing, comparing resumes, who should get yeah, in, who shouldn't. Sure. It's still going to be the same thing. It's just we're going to have more teams. Yeah, I guess the good, the good part is, though, the best teams – you know, the the debate team the powerhouse teams are gonna get in. Yeah. That's that is the good part. You know, obviously people are gonna say, well, these few teams that you know, they're ten and two, okay. They probably don't have a chance at winning unless a miracle happens. But the good teams that we've debated on are probably now gonna get in. So I, I think it's competitive this year. It's it's good to see. It's fun to watch as a fan. Uh personally I hope it's it's what we said that it is. That would be some fun games. Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. Something that I would would enjoy watching. You know, we might we might see a Texas Alabama rematch in the national championship. We might get the game I'm talking about in the national championship. But then again, you might get 
of Washington, Alabama, which no one at the beginning of the season would have thought that would be the national championship game. So I think, I think it's just been a fun season. We've got, you know, a ton of bowl games nobody cares about. But it's always good to talk college football, but especially this time of the year, because that's that's when it really – everyone's engaged. So because of that, we're excited for the weekend. We're going to keep watching. You know, moving on to another sport that is currently in the offseason. There's only one player that everyone cares about this offseason. Let's be honest here. The guy that plays like Babe Ruth and the guy that we're not going to see – probably for the next 50 seasons because it's just so unorthodox to have a guy who can be the best pitcher in the league, the best batter in the league, and, and just be the biggest name in baseball at this point. Let me stop you right there. He is not the best batter in the league. That belongs to Ronald Acuna Jr. No, I see. I disagree. <laughs> Shohei Otani. But anyone that's listening, Adam's a Braves fan. He's taking up for his Braves guy. Understandable. I don't have no ties to any of these players. I do, I do think Otani's best. Just in both, but it's up for debate. But what's not up for debate is who the best baseball player in baseball is, and it's Shohei Otani. He's also a free agent this offseason. Everybody knows who's got the most money. The Dodgers have the most money. Where did he play last year? Played in Los Angeles, but it wasn't for the Dodgers. It was for the Angels. Do you think he's back in Los Angeles? But is it with the Dodgers, I guess, is my question for you. So I don't think he does end up with the Dodgers. I don't think Shohei cares about money. Obviously, he's he's going to be the highest paid player pretty much anywhere he goes, unless he does go somewhere like maybe, and this is a pipe dream, going to Atlanta, because Atlanta's going to sell you on the pipe dream. Look, we have our young core here. We're going to, we're going to win games for eight years, right? We got our long, our young core locked up through 2030. So you can come here. You're guaranteed we're going to win, and you can have fun while doing it because that's what the Braves have preached. And he has been miserable with the Angels. So I think – Fun is something he's looking forward to. I'll tell you who I think a dark horse is, though. It's the Chicago Cubs. That is a dark horse to go get Shohei Otani because last year they went and spent money. They they give Cody Belger a one-year prove-it deal. They uh, stole Dansby Swanson from the Braves. They've been out going and getting starting pitching. Like, they've been uh, vamping up, and they've also been willing to spend money. So I think that could be a surprise team that Shohei goes to. What sucks is Shohei just had Tommy John, so he's not going to be pitching this year. But luckily for us, we'll still get to watch him uh, swing the bat. But I think the Cubs are a dark horse. But I also seen something swirling around that the Dodgers were looking at signing him and then trading for Mike Trout. If that happens, I will be pissed. I, I won't stop bitching about it for the next six years. I can promise you that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how bad. Uh, the Angels have been when they had the best two baseball players that we've seen in a while. I mean, Mike Trout was dominant for still, still really good, but dominant for eight years. Shohei is like I said, a Babe Ruth that we're not going to see for another fifty years, and they were just bad. Could not, could not do anything. So I know as a Braves fan, you know you would love to see it be uh, the Braves, but I got bad news for you. I think it's the team that put the Braves out, and it's the Philadelphia Phillies. I think he's gonna go to Philadelphia. Talk talk about talk about fun environment. I think I think they've built a culture the past couple seasons. You got Bryce Harper there, so I know I know it might sound crazy of saying, "Dang, he's going from Trout to Harper," but I I think I could see. I think he could fit in there. The offense would be really good, like you said. Obviously, can't pitch, but if that happened, they could use another pitcher there, and then the bat that he brings is just. What, like I said, I think it's best bat in baseball. Or top three, top five, regardless. I'll tell you why I don't think it's the Phillies. I think they trade for Juan Soto. And it could happen. Yeah. So that's can. why I don't have the Phillies on the radar. Per, honestly, the, the perfect team for Shohei to go to is the Yankees. And the reason being that that uh, right field fence is like 313 feet. It's yeah. like a high school baseball field. Shohei Otani would hit 60 bombs in that place. Yeah. So I think, I think the Yankees would be a fun team for him. Real quick, you brought up the fact that the Angels, you know, couldn't win with Trout and Otani. You know, over the last, was it 10 years, the, the Angels have had the MVP on their team five times. You know, they have yet to win a playoff series in that yeah. time frame. Yeah. Like, what a pathetic organization. Like, listen, I, I know a lot of us get aggravated or upset over our teams. You know, some some teams choke. Like, for, like, for example, the Cowboys, right? Like, that's what they do. They choke. The Angels don't even have the opportunity to choke. Imagine having the two best players that our generation has seen, and you can't 
<laughs> Most of the time, they couldn't even make the playoffs. It, it's pathetic. Uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing Shohei Otani play meaningful baseball. Come to Atlanta, please. Imagine having the two the two MVPs from this past season on the same team. Be fantastic. But yeah, come come to Atlanta, Shohei. I I, I know as a Braves fan, you know you're definitely definitely ready to see that. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I, and and so the thing is, I don't really have. I don't have. I I grew up a Yankees fan because I like Derek Jeter. But that doesn't mean um, that that yeah, you're crazy. Best shortstop of all time. Don't don't even get me started. But. <laughs> That doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm like, oh, Shohei's got to come to New York because now I don't, I, I just enjoy watching good players play. So wherever he goes, he's going to play well, and it's going to be fun to watch. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the Braves would be, you know, good. It make them better. Gives him a, a comfortable place to play where he knows that he's competing every night. But I, I like, I like the Phillies. I ain't gonna lie, it's probably gonna be the Dodgers because they just get everybody. So it's, it's probably what it's gonna be. But it's gonna suck. Yeah, I definitely agree. But that was a fun conversation. We co- we actually covered a little bit of basketball for you, college football and baseball. You know, you don't get that too often when we listen to us. It's mainly been football so far, but we are going to start working these third shows in. Try to take care of y'all's needs for when it comes to more sports. But with that being said, you can follow me on this on uh, everything related to a four. You can follow Dalton on everything Dalton K one. Go find our Facebook page. We're the Chief Seats on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find the page that way if you have trouble finding it. Also follow our TikTok page, the Chief Seats Podcast, and we're out. <laughs>